What's up, it's Andrea. Today, it's a new punchable face. Worf can't seem to remember that he's in charge of a small child. And we ask the question, you've got some nerve, Dr. Russell. Okay, so it's not a question, but still valid. Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we are talking Season 5, Episode 16, entitled Ethics. This episode was written by Sarah and Stuart Carno and directed by Chip Chalmers. After Worf is paralyzed in an accident, his only hope may be a visiting doctor with questionable ethics. Oof. What are your initial thoughts on this episode? So uh, what I wrote, well, okay, two things. First, what I wrote down is that I don't remember this one at all, other than the fact that I didn't really care for it. So, but I was totally Mm -hmm. open to rewatching it just to see if it changed my mind because I have like zero memories of it other than Worf's back injury. And as you and I talked offline, I totally confused this with another episode coming up with Lawaxana and a creepy mud bath because I just blend those two uncomfortable <laughs> feelings into yeah. one episode. Yeah. Um, but then the second thing is the title is really interesting. The title of ethics, because from my memory, I was like, yeah, Worf like wants to kill himself because his back is broken. So I guess it's unethical for Riker to do it. And then hearing your summary. And then after watching the episode, I was like, oh no, ethics was really about the doctor mm-hmm. and a little bit about Riker maybe, but really the ethics was about the doctor. Yeah. And I was like, holy moly. Like, I don't remember this storyline at all. And that was right? like such a big deal. Um, what about you? What were your initial thoughts? I mean, my initial thoughts were sort of similar to yours. In my notes, I wrote, Worf breaks his back, assisted suicide episode, pass. I remember watching it once or twice when I was younger Mm -hmm. and just remembering just that I was like you know Worf either falls or something falls on him he breaks his back he'll never walk again Mm -hmm. he wants to commit some ritual suicide and I don't like this episode and that was kind of my thought process going into it and I'm really really happy to say that my final thoughts are really different from my initial thoughts cool yeah mine are too I was like I mean, but I, like I said, I didn't really remember it. And I always mm-hmm. give it a skip because I confuse it with the other one, which I also always give a skip. <laughs> I just combine yeah. those into like uncomfortable feelings. I tell but. you that episode that we still have to review. I think it's coming up soon. That one where mm-hmm. like it is, Luxana and Worf and Alexander are all in that super creepy mud bath on the holodeck. I don't like, think Worf's in it. I think it's Luxana and Alexander I, because she's always like, Alexander, is, Alexander. He is, he is in it, but in the very end, it's like the end scene where they oh, end up like right, 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 dragging right, right, him right. into when it. He and he's like, to it, yeah. yeah. And he's like, are we just supposed to sit here? Ugh, right and that's my vibe the entire episode i'm like i want to give this such a pass like if we could have one pass episode and we didn't per use season, any right? for like <laughs> per season yeah because season one we need we a lot of used all seven yes. of our passes correct and then we'd be like dang it we have no more passes left <laughs> um yeah I, but okay so let's jump into the episode because i think yeah. this one was actually was actually really good and really interesting. And the whole really the good. whole doctor thing, which I had no memory of whatsoever. Me neither. I was like, was who the just, hell are you? Yeah. yeah. And, okay. And then and then also this is a theme we've seen before. We have seen an assisted suicide episode before with Loxana. And that, you know, oh, that's right. right the man the half a life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a that was a really good episode. And we have mm-hmm. seen a an ethical scientist before. I think that was like Dr. Stubbs and the egg and 
or the like the sentient something that oh, like attacked right. whatever. Yes. Um, but so I think these themes can come back again and again because they're so there's just like more to mine in those. Yes, there's a lot of variations you can do in that. Yeah. And so yeah. I really appreciate that, even though this is like kind of two storylines that have been done, this feels fresh and new. So yes. A team. Yes. So exactly. And and I love the way they did it. Let's just jump right in. Um, Jordy and Worf visit a cargo bay uh, because there's some leak that's been detected and they're like, okay, let's go through all these big containers and see, you know, what's going on. And, you know, they're kind of scanning around and one of the containers, they're in these like huge, like 50 gallon drums that are look like plastic mm-hmm. drums. Mm-hmm. One of the containers is leaking some sort of corrosive chemical. And so it's kind of, it's the container itself kind of starts like melting because it's mm-hmm. plastic and it starts to warp. Now they're stacked several high. So the container on top of that one ends up getting like tipped off balance and it falls down on wharf and like completely takes him out completely mm-hmm. knocks him out mm-hmm. and they're like oh my god medical emergency like right off the bat and jordy runs over to see how Worf is doing and he unnecessarily pulls the barrel back a few inches just to show how heavy the barrel is like i don't know if you notice this he grabs I didn't it didn't notice that at all he grabs it to pull it back which is completely unnecessary because it's not on Worf or anything but when he does you hear this <laughs> cute i was just like that was dumb but the reason why they do it is you hear this like huge metal sound and the scraping sound and he can barely Ooh. move it at all to really demonstrate, like, this is ri- this is a ridiculously heavy thing that fell on him, which I feel like was a really smart touch for the director to add that in because, I mean, we all know those are totally empty, like, foam things. And super yeah. light and totally harmless. So I, yeah. I I really appreciate that they added in this, like, oh, this thing is so heavy, like, this mm-hmm. is really dangerous, which makes more sense in the next scene in Sick Bay when we find out how bad the damage really was. It wasn't that he was just knocked unconscious, mm-hmm. but he was obliterated. Like, we yeah, find totally. out... So we find out his spinal column was shattered. Like, what the yes. F? Yes. And he has many vertebrae that have been crushed. So not like yes. broken or snapped, but crushed and shattered. I was like, oh. Like OMG. little pieces. Yeah. So he comes to in sick bay, and he's like, okay. He tries to stand up and he's like, doctor, I promise I'm not going to like leave sick bay without authorization. Like you don't have to have a containment field over me. And she's like, wharf? There is no containment field. Seven of your vertebra were crushed by the container and your spinal column was crushed as well. You're paralyzed and we can't fix that kind of damage. And that's when it cuts to opening credits. That's the bum bum bum, which is one of the biggest ones we've ever had. Mm -hmm. But in this scene, I had a couple of observations. He's not hooked up to any machines at all. Like nothing. He Mm -hmm. looks like... He looks like he's wearing like a karate gi, like he just took some jujitsu and like took a nap and woke up in sick bay. Mm-hmm. There isn't a, a monitor near him. Like there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I was like, nothing? We don't and need then, to stabilize his spine because there is no spine. It's all shattered. Something, I guess. We don't need like, a neck brace. Nope. Guess not. I guess not. Also, how did you get him out of his clothes and into new ones with like shattered everything? Transporter okay, magic? whatever. Maybe. Can transporters change thought- our clothes? Because that'd be really cool. Well, I don't know. Anyways, I feel like keep that going. Would be in, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that'd be sort of a violation. Anyway, but Beverly, I just thought, wow, she really gave him that news straight. And I thought news like this needs to fall by degrees where it's like, let's just try to get you stable right now. I need you to lie still. There's been some damage to your spine. We'll take a look. But if you're like, hey, Worf, 
bunch of shit went wrong in your spine. You'll never walk again. Mm. Like, it's like, dude, that's kind yeah. of a lot to hit somebody with. Like, the blow must fall by degrees, Beverly. You know, and I feel like really, she should know that. That's interesting because, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how I feel about that statement. Because if I was in Worf's position, I think I would want to know the truth sooner rather than later. I wouldn't want somebody to be sugar. Yes. I wouldn't want my doctor to be sugarcoating or or false hope or anything. Other people mm-hmm. all day long. But my doctor, no, like keep it straight. But I will say, you know, that does seem on par with the experiences that I've had with doctors. There was a time where I was like really, really sick for months. I, I don't even, I still to this day don't know what I had, but every single week I was oh going to a different set of specialists and doctors. Oh my and gosh. Yeah, it was, it was awful. I lost my hearing for a time. I lost my voice for a time. Oh and I was my teaching God. at the time. So it was like, I was, it was, Dear it was a God. lot. But I went to this one specialist and it was like an ear, nose and throat person. And I had, um, as you, as you probably might remember, Andrea, like everything in my ear, nose and throat, everything is always swollen all the time. So he was like, he, I went for some scans and he was like, oh my gosh, everything is swollen. You know, like, how can you even breathe? Like the, the technician called him mm-hmm. on a Saturday or Sunday after, after the scan and was like, get her in immediately. Like she oh, can't, wow. she probably can't breathe. And I was like, oh no, it's just, it's always like that. Um, but when he called me in and he was like, you know what? I think it's cancer. And I was like, um, you haven't done a single test. <laughs> like, what are you even You're talking good. about? Yeah, I was like, oh you haven't God. run a blood test. You haven't taken a biopsy. Like, you think it's cancer based off of what exactly? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, because I've seen before something, something and symptoms, yada, yada. I was like, okay, um, what I'm going to need you to do is to run all of the tests. Hold on to First. judgment until you yeah. run the tests. Yeah. And he was like, okay, yeah, I've scheduled a biopsy and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember walking out and being like, who does that? Who tells somebody it's cancer without running a single test? Like, that is a really scary thing to say to somebody. And you mm-hmm. should not say that without Mm-mm. proof of some Mm-mm. kind, even if you're like, it's cancer, but it's benign. It's But don't say that just out of like, you know what? I got a guess. Got a stomach ache? Probably cancer. Don't you do know, that. Like, so we, I don't know. Y- okay. I completely agree with you. Because that's just not following like conventional procedures. Like, let's check off some boxes before we get to any that, kind of diagnosis. Okay? That's why I'm here. Anything. I don't know what's wrong. So Anything. Just yeah. run all I'm the here. Tests. I'm here because I can't figure it out. I'm coming to you to figure it out. Dumbass. Don't guess. Like, yeah. And I, yeah. That. I was like, please don't guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> please run some tests. I feel like doctors also need to try to remember what it's like to be a civilian where we have a stomach ache, we've got a something going on, we Google it, and the first thing Google tells us is cancer, right? So right. like we learn mm-hmm. pretty quickly, don't Google your symptoms because it's always going to come up with the big C. We're already coming to you afraid that it might be that. And you go throwing around cancer like mm-hmm. it could just be when it turns out like you might have had a tiny unicorn crawl up into your nose and jump around and poke holes in it with its horn and you just got to extract the unicorn and you'll be fine. Or whatever the F, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's not cancer. Don't, don't, tell me it could be without having like done any diagnostics yet that's mm-hmm. ridiculous that's ridiculous yeah agreed oh so my all god that, you all that to say thing. is oh. all that to say is like i want doctors to give it to me straight so i appreciate how beverly delivered this and i want them to have some backup proof before they deliver it and i feel like beverly did she had all the evidence to say like I we can't repair this damage now i will say like immediately after like the next scene or two scenes later she's like I think we can maybe do something. And I was like, okay, so then you should have yeah. started with that, honey. You should have started with, we're not sure how extensive the damage is. You're not going to be able to walk right now, but we are going to do everything we yes. can. So I, I feel like she should have just been even more transparent to say like, yes. we're going to do everything we can for you. I can't make any promises. 
And worst case scenario is you will never walk again, but I'm not going to give up until I've exhausted every Mm -hmm. resource at my disposal. Like that to me would have felt kinder and more true because that's exactly what she can do. Yes. We don't know how much time has passed from the container falling on him to him coming to in sickbay. Yeah. We can assume it's a couple of hours maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So probably a couple of hours, less than a day, I'd say. Not enough time for her to have extensively run through everything she could possibly do. I am not a doctor, but what I will tell you for certain is that when when a body suffers that level of damage, not a lot can be uh foretold until like all the swelling and the inflammation everything comes down like your body has such a rapid response to that level of physical trauma it's like it looks you know 70 vertebrae are crushed your spinal column is crushed this doesn't look good however there's still so much swelling we kind of can't tell anything for certain yet until the swelling comes down we need to give it like two to three days for the swelling you know whatever but just to be like hey wharf it's been like an hour good morning I hope you had fun at jujitsu. You'll never walk again. It's yeah. like, okay. That that to me was like, damn. Although I will say, nobody on the Enterprise wants to get it straight better than Worf. Like, he's like, just tell mm-hmm. me how it is. But yes. man. Maybe maybe Data. The only maybe other person Data, is like, just tell me have, like it is. Yeah, because he won't have any reaction to it. But please sugarcoat and, it for any other member of the crew. Yeah, nobody for, else wants for Riker, to hear it like that. For Picard, yeah, no, <laughs> for no, Troy, no, for anybody no, else, no. nobody. <laughs> now they bring on a neurospecialist, uh, Doctor Russell, um, who arrives to take a look at this case, and she's a huge fan of Beverly's. She's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I read your paper on like biosynthetic nanite, whatever, 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 and she is just all sorts of fangirling over Beverly, which I was like, that's cool, that's cool. Like we've got somebody else here who's a neurospecialist who's going to take a look at like what options we might be able to exercise in order to get Worf back on his feet to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, um, sorry, were you going to say something else? Okay. I, no. <laughs> sorry. This is our, welcome to our show. Um, <laughs> this is your first time listening. Welcome. We, we interrupt each other because we're friends. So my first thought when Dr. Russell before she even beamed on, just when they said, we're finding a neurospecialist, we're bringing them on board. And before she materialized, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, oh my gosh, this would be the perfect moment to bring back Pulaski. Like I thought this- the same thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, this would be great because this could finally give us closure because she totally disappeared at the end of season two mm-hmm. with no rhyme or reason. When Beverly left the show, they were like, oh, she went back to Starfleet to be head of medical whatever and yeah and they gave us some kind of explanation where we're like okay okay i guess but then when season three started it was just like beverly's back do 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 and we never yeah. hear about Pulaski Body swap. Ever, it's like darren ever from the all over again you're it's like no one, okay 100 like that and it was like well we could have just had a like oh she went back to star like we could have had just one sentence but mm-hmm. i thought this would have been the perfect moment to bring her back and be like of course she's a neurospecialist and we could have gotten some closure and see where she's at now and all this stuff however this was my thought at the beginning of the episode however by the time we get to the end of the episode yes I am like, I'm glad I am so Pulaski. glad they didn't pick Belaski because she would have yeah. never behaved in a billion years the way the Dr. Way... Russell is yep. behaving. Not even close. Not never. even close. And 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 Worf was her best friend on the ship. So yeah. like, yeah. ugh. A hundred percent. Something we find out from their, their conversation as she's fangirling and talking to Beverly is that Klingons don't have a ton of research on this particular type of damage. Because yes. they usually let the patients die in this condition. They just, like, let them die or kill them. You know, let them yeah. kill themselves. So there's, like, almost no research done on it. So they really are 
starting from scratch. It's pretty much a blank slate for the two of them to try to figure out if anything at all could be done for work. Mm -hmm. And Beverly's feeling pretty confident that there cannot be anything. Dr. Russell, though, is a fresh face. She's excited about it. And she tells Beverly right off the bat because Beverly's like, come meet Worf. You'll get to you'll get to know him. He's a little gruff, but you'll get to like him later. And she was just like, no, nah, I don't ever want to meet him. <laughs> like, I need to keep a professional distance from the patient so I can focus mm-hmm. on the work and give you an unbiased opinion. And I thought that was extremely professional and good that she set that boundary at the beginning. Yes. And yes. again, I had no idea that this doctor was going to turn the direction that she turned in. So yes. I'm feeling like good at this point. I'm like, OK, cool. We got a specialist like them. Awesome. Yeah, it is actually really nice too. And it's more like real medicine where your ear, nose and throat guy is also not going to be doing the like, you know, orthopedic exam or or whatever. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Riker comes to visit Worf in sickbay. And at this point, they do have him hooked up to some machines and he's being monitored by some machines. But did they have to pull those machines from Captain Kirk's Enterprise? Because, (laughs) oh my God, it was like beep, boop, beep, 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 boop. And it was like big clunky television screens and shit. I was like, where's our really nice, sleek Elkars panels? Where's like the blue and red jars when we need them? Like this was like a Something bubbling in the back. A bunch of buttons that just lit up. It was like so 1960s. I was like, where are you repurposing this from? Did they find this in the back of the props house and be like, yeah, let's just blow the dust off of it and throw it in the seat? I mean, it was so bad. I, I didn't, like, I didn't even that? notice. I did oh not even know. Here's here's why I didn't notice, I think, is because I was focused on the pink, the purple pajamas. Because I was yeah, yeah. kind of like, what's the deal with? I was still stuck on that. And then when right Every, scene, okay, he had so many wardrobe changes. I'm like, I thought you're just lying there. Like. You're probably good in what you're wearing, I guess. Anyway, whatever. They don't do gowns, yes. I guess. They do cool purple pajamas. They do purple <laughs> purple geese. Um, okay. Uh, sure. Future. Space. Jordy's like, I need something comfy to lie down in. <laughs> he sure does. He sure does. <laughs> Since we know he sleeps in his uniform. And uh, shoes. What I And shoes. What I noticed was that Riker <laughs> said, are you sick of the sick bay food yet? And I was just thought to myself, how is it different from any other food on the ship? Isn't that the replicator right behind you? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, okay, but maybe, uh, maybe in sick bay, I guess it's just kind of nice to know food. So for medical, per- sure, yeah, I, okay, like I'll, chicken I'll broth and like it. and like polenta Crackers. or something, like some some grits or something. Yeah, just some basic like toast and butter or something. Which, by the way, on the Enterprise, didn't we have that question before? <laughs> well, they sure have. They sure have phasers that can toast things. So I That's don't see true. why not. That's true. <laughs> anyway, Worf is like. So I'm not going to get better because I want to perform the Hetba ceremony, which is ritual suicide. And Worf wants to end his life the way that he lived it with dignity and honor. And he's like, Commander, I'm going to ask you to assist me mm-hmm. in performing the Hetba. And Riker was like, no, I I can't How help you. How dare you? Yeah, I, I can't outraged. help you. Yes, yes, he really was. Now, mm-hmm. actually, there's an outtake where they were arguing back and forth, and Riker like got all up in Worf's face about it. But the writers were like, "Let's cut that because that was like too much." It's like the man just asked him to help him in, end his life, and he's lying there paralyzed. So, like, getting in his face is maybe maybe a smidge much. Yeah. yeah, but Riker is like, "There's absolutely." No way I'm going to do this. But now we know what like Worf's intention is. He's like, I'm not interested in doing this physical therapy and any mm-hmm. of the stuff that they're going to, whatever Dr. Crusher and Dr. Russell are going to come to me with, it's going to be a no, a no because mm-hmm. it's already a no. 
Dr. Russell and Dr. Crusher don't know that though. And did you notice as they're discussing like Klingon body differences from humanoid bodies, there's this super cool, like augmented reality version of his spine, Mm -hmm. like a holographic thing. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. And I noticed that the little platform that it's spinning around on is also like lit up on the top of its little platform, like a ready orangey light. So obviously they put in that, the holographic spine like in post-production but they had the the idea that they had a little platform like a little column that like lit up and then when dr russell hit the platform the light turned off and then the the augmented reality spine went away i was like those are the details right there that sets and props did that really create a world like a whole universe i just something as small as that i was like oh my god this is so cool. That was spectacular. I was like, wow, they are looking at this 3D rendering of this Klingon spine, which is super duper long and very, very cool. And it had some little red organ at the bottom that looked like a second brain or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, what's that? Like, mm-hmm. it was just very, it was very, very cool. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about years and years ago, I was, I, I love crime dramas and I watched all of the CSIs, like all of them. Um, actually, that's not <laughs> true. The New Orleans one, I was like, eh. But that was after okay. like, a solid 25 years of CSI shows. It was okay. like, okay, I think, I think we're good now. But um, <laughs> but in uh, at one point, this technology was developed, which I'm sure is real because it came up on the show where they could do virtual autopsies. So they have this big thing that scans the whole body and then it mm-hmm. recreates a 3D representation of the body that you can manipulate just like um, like it's it's visual and it's it's not really a hologram per se, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it pretty much looks like a 3D rendering on a computer of mm-hmm. of a body and you can see damage to bones and damage to organs and all kinds of stuff and it was so cool and as you're talking i'm like hey they probably got that idea from this episode like this technology that came about 15 years later or 20 years mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. um that's now a reality but even in this episode from this really old totally pretend made up idea it is still so cool and definitely catches my imagination I think it's amazing. Isn't that then, so cool? It still stands up today. It still yes. looks amazing. Yes, 100%. In Ultra HD, it looks amazing. And not everything does. So, no. so again, yay team. Next, Dr. Russell says, okay, I've got an idea. And she points out this device that she is creating, working on, invented, that is basically like a 3D printer, but for organs. That's which- what I wrote. Is I amazing. Wrote a 3D print of a living spine. And amazing. This, in the show, it's called Genotronic Replicator, which I was like, all right, the name checks out. It sounds cool. But I wrote the 3D printed spine. Yeah. Right. Which they couldn't have called it because 3D printers did not exist in 1992. Yes, it wasn't a thing. So yeah. again, it's like, man, you guys are so before your before your mm-hmm. times. Like that, this is some amazing, like predictive work right here. Which by the way, scientists are working now to make like 3D printed organs, mm-hmm. which I think is super cool. So it's like yeah, they were like 35 years ahead of their time, which is unbelievably 100%, cool. 100%, 100%. And organ cloning and stuff like that was happening back when I was still in college. So like, that's definitely a thing. So this mm-hmm. technology is completely legit. Like sometimes yeah. there's stuff in the show where you're like, ooh, they did not talk to a scientist before doing that. But then other times <laughs> it's like this, where you're like, this yeah. is legit. All of this checks out. This can totally 100% be a thing and totally work. Mm-hmm. Such a cool idea. I was really excited about it. Beverly was really excited about it. And then she's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were testing this in you know, clinical trials. How many patients has it worked on so far? This is really great. She's then like, come to find out, none so none. far. None. She has not tested this on a single, this is a theory. It's a cool idea she has for some day. And she's like, 
hey, this is the perfect opportunity. Let's try it on Wharf. The hologram, the holographic simulations that I run have a 37% success rate, which by the way, is like a F minus minus. Like, <laughs> and then yes. I love, yeah, yes. I love how Beverly's like, wow, even a hologram would balk at that. <laughs> like even the hologram would be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. totally good with that procedure. Yeah, I have a two out of three chance of dying in this procedure. Is there a plan B you guys maybe have? That we can try out first, like a something that should be like plan Z for zebra. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy way down the line. It's crazy. Yes. Like it's a cool idea and it's not anywhere near ready. Like nope. nowhere near. Not even And close. Beverly points out in order to even do this, let's pretend like this isn't your first guinea pig patient. Mm-hmm. In order to do this, we have to completely remove Worf's current spine and then put in this new newly synthesized spine and i mean mm-hmm. dr russell has a lot of good points of like well trying to rebuild a bunch of shattered bones is pointless like that's not gonna that's they're not gonna shattered yeah. they're shattered they're everywhere that's not gonna happen let's just make a new whole one that works all together i mean that all makes sense it's just the fact mm-hmm. that it's completely untested so definitely yeah. like we'd have to completely remove his spine and if anything goes wrong we're not going to be able to put it back because we don't know enough about klingon anatomy yes. so he will he will 100% die. Like if this procedure goes wrong, he will die. It's not like we can be like, okay, that didn't, that leg replacement didn't work. Let's just put back in the old bone or something like that. It's or not let's like, that. like, let's just cinch it off and see what plan B could be. Yeah. It's like, this is the plan. You removing the patient's spine, right? Like there is nothing else there. If you don't have it, something that they do talk about though, is that the Klingon body has a ton of redundancies, multiples of most major organs and so it's like he doesn't have a spinal redundancy though like this is it his spinal yes, column yeah, is a bajillion vertebrae but yeah. they're all smashed so like all of them are in one column yeah oof. and dr crusher's like you're still in the most preliminary stages of research we're gonna have to do more like conventional stuff and i was like oh that's a good call bev that's mm-hmm. a really good call to be like, like you know no, what that sounds not. cool and you're about 20 years away from implementing like cr- clinical trials of this. Like this mm-hmm. is not a thing. Now our B plot surfaces though. The USS Denver has struck a leftover Cardassian gravitronic mine from like the Cardassian Federation war that ended like a billion years ago. And um, a bunch of people need medical help. And so they need the enterprise to like go give like urgent medical attention and like triage, you know, everybody. So off they go. And Riker comes to Picard to discuss Worf's request. And I got to tell you, I understand completely why Worf feels this way. But I think Picard knows his crew so well. He's like, Riker, you and I could learn to live with a disability like this, maybe. But Worf cannot. He's asking you as a trusted friend. And if he didn't know he could count on you, he never would have asked. And I think think that Riker wanted somebody to agree with him mm-hmm. and be like I can't believe he asked that I know that's too much right that's ridiculous yeah Definitely you're right. don't do much. it don't do yeah. it yeah but mm-hmm. Picard is like you know it's just two different cultures he would have to he says something later on to Beverly mm-hmm. where it's something along the lines of like he would have to undo a lifetime of like values and beliefs and values and beliefs and all of this and like he's not gonna do that he's just not going to would any of us no no that's what the lifetime of beliefs is for yes. <laughs> like, that's what it's for to inform our decisions going forward especially 100 yes that, especially the ones that are like 
big decisions that you shouldn't have to like think about too much. It's just mm-hmm. instinctual. Like, you know what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love yeah. this conversation with Riker and Picard so much. I really appreciated Picard's ability in this episode and also in next week's episode, the, the same thing came up again, but I really appreciate Picard's ability to respect other cultures. Yeah. They don't align with his values. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree really with you completely. I really appreciate Picard's ability to respect other cultures, even if it doesn't align with his values, which happens all the time. I mean, they're in space. Of course, they're going to come along across a lot of species that don't mm-hmm. think exactly the same way that Earthlings think and believe and value and everything else. Mm-hmm. And especially in this case where it's Worf's personal decision and he's a member of the crew. So it's not like some alien race they've come upon and they're going to zoom off into the sunset and never see them again. Like, they, as you said, Picard knows Worf really well. They know the Klingon culture really well. And mm-hmm. he's like, this is important to Worf and we can't take this decision away from him. Like, this is his decision one way or the other. He's yeah. asking you to be a part of it. But, and and he also says, and I can't tell you what to do here. It's up to you. And yeah. that's when, that's when Riker's just like, duh! You know, yeah, because like, he really wants someone on you at all. Yeah, he really wants yeah. someone to tell him, you don't have to do this. And it's crazy and agree with him and everything that you said. But I, mm-hmm. I really love this conversation. I did too. I really, really think that it speaks so well to the characters as we know them and love them. Mm-hmm. Riker is, you know, Mr. Do the Right Thing at all times, kind of, you know. Um, but like he's he's very much like I lead with my heart, yeah, and that's where I go. And Picard is the perfect counterpart for him because he leads with his head. Yeah. He values his heart, he doesn't silence his heart, but he ends up weighing. Like he's a total right. Ravenclaw. Like he right. he mm-hmm. he weighs like what the right thing is and the wrong thing is, and yes. it's not always the thing that incenses us and gets us upset, you know. Now, I th- I, th- I just thought that was a great conversation. Alexander is on the ship. We've kind of forgotten about him, to be honest. But he's on the ship, and like here's his I didn't dad. forget about him. That was my first thought when Worf was like, "Riker, I want you to help me with this ceremony." I was like, "Wait a minute." Are you going to say goodbye to your son who is still on the ship supposedly right now in his quarters by himself? Hello? See, that was the thing. Hello? He, he had so much airtime a few weeks ago that I was like, okay, well, we haven't seen Alexander for a while. So I guess, okay, whatever. I had totally forgotten about him. Mm-hmm. But here he is freaking out because he's not able to see his so. dad. You know yeah. how I hate the little kid having a tantrum and screaming vibe, but I 100% understand why he was so freaked out. Mm-hmm. I'd be panicking as well. Yep. Here's Yelling and dad. screaming at Troy. Like she's I mean, the bad guy because that's the well, only thing he has in front of him to yell and yes. scream at. Well, she's the one who says, you know, you can't go see him. And it's not her choice. It's Worf's choice to be like, I don't want him to see me like this. And Alexander is so terrified that he'll lose his father. And like, hasn't he lost enough? Like he Troy, really has. He Troy, really has. Troy is magnificent in this episode. And he here's slays. why. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is perfection. Here's why. Because she is kind and considerate with Alexander. And Alexander's like, you have the problem. You're not the one letting me see him. Why? It's you. This is your fault. And she's like, I think you know that that's not true. And then she like holds him and hugs him when he like kind of runs out of steam. And then she goes to Worf and she's like, Alexander is scared and worried and wants to see his father. And Worf is like, no, it's not okay. I don't want him to see me like this. My honor. And she says, maybe it's time you stop laying here, worrying about your honor and start worrying about someone else like your son. And she walks out and I was like, oh, snaps. Oh, 
And I really feel like Troy's the only one who could have said that too. Like no one else would have thought to say that. And no one else has that relationship to say that. Yeah. Absolutely right. She fucking killed it. She is exactly the kind of communicator I wish to be one day. Yeah. Where I can say something really powerful one time and quietly, and it still has the same impact as if I were or more impact as if I were repeating myself over and over again and saying it really loudly because I'm like trying to get my point across, which is what I do when I get upset. I I raise my voice and I like repeat myself until I feel like the other person is understanding what I'm saying. But she was not even worried about him understanding. She's like, here's this truth bomb. Goodbye. And I was like, God, you are so good. She's like the MVP of the whole season. She really is. She really is. I mean, thank God that she stayed on the season or on the show all the way through the end, because you and I have mentioned this before. Season one, Troy was just useless. Terrible. Useless. Season five, Troy is like the most valuable person on the ship. (laughs) Like she's so clutch. And this, this episode is no exception. I completely agree with you. And in, and you kind of like, I kind of hope that that would really sink in and Worf would be like, well, let me think twice about it. But it doesn't. It doesn't work at all. He's just like, whatever, on to what I was doing. At that mm-hmm. moment, Dr. Uh, Russell comes in with Beverly and they're like, all right, we we think we've got a solution. And my first thought was like, okay, well, if they think they have a solution, Beverly, you were too quick to say there are no solutions <laughs> because you have one See, now. So maybe you should have. That's why you got to give it a couple of days. Th- yeah, should have held that off, swelling like, to come down. Two, three days. You know? Like, yeah. Off. But anyways, she goes, okay, here's the solution we have. We can put implants throughout your body that react to what, to your brain impulses, to what you're thinking mm-hmm. that will send a signal down to your legs to make them move. Yeah, and I thought man. that is the coolest thing ever. That's a super cool idea. And then not only was that idea it makes so cool, perfect sense. Yeah, not only was that a very cool, totally again legit science, totally legit mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, they have these cool braces to put on the outside where they can mm-hmm. practice this before mm-hmm. they put any implants inside the body. And I was like, like, oh my it's gosh, like pre-implants. It's like we're gonna do these external ones that we can just strap on you, so you can kind of start getting a feel for this. And then if it's successful, we'll go on with the with surgery. The full actual mm-hmm. surgery. I just thought that's, re- this that's is, really, This is really more cool. of this world building thing where the this is why season five is where it's at, which is incredible. It's in an incredible place because of this, because they've taken the time to world build so much mm-hmm. that their, even their medical suggestions make perfect sense with the freaking technology that exists at the time that doesn't even exist in the real world. And yet (laughs) here it is making perfect sense. Like Mm -hmm. you and I are not doctors, but even a scientist is like, yep, that makes perfect sense. You would have a middleman, a middleman stimulator that would read like the brain impulse and send an electrical impulse to the muscle to make it twitch. All of our muscle movement, all of it in our body is electrical impulses. Sent from our brain. Through our spine. our brain. Mm-hmm. It's yep, that's what it is. So I love and the little Elkars panel, they're they're back from like the TOS panels days. <laughs> They've got the Elkars panels and they show kind of the outline of Worf's body, and they're like, here's where all of the implants would be. And they're kind of like in his brain, along his spine, down his arms and down his legs and his torso. It's like, yep, that's all exactly of this where makes they sense. Go. And yep. this is exactly where to go. Now, Worf is not having any of this. Not even because a little they said, bit. Not even a little. And they say, you know. It will take some physical therapy and training to relearn how to walk, which, by the way, we all walk, right? We do it without thinking. We learned it as babies. But if you ever have watched videos or if you've ever seen somebody 
who's had like an accident or a veteran with some explosives or something who's had to relearn how to walk. It is incredibly difficult process. Mm. I haven't had to go through it myself. Thank God. And knock on wood, I never will have to. But watching videos of people learning how to walk as adults is it's just so demoralizing. It's because mm. you have to you have to keep track of like 210 muscles at once or some ridiculous number. You know, it's like you're it's just really hard to train your body to do that. So they're like, it's going to take a ton of work, but you could get 60 to 70 percent of your capacity back. And he's like 60 to 70. No, no, I'm not. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work. It's going to take a long time. And it won't be 100% effective, even if mm-hmm. it does work. There are like almost no benefits to this, as they're explaining it to him from his worldview. Um, and he, yeah. he mentions a lot of things. He's like, I will not be lurching around the ship, an object of pity and ridicule. And it's like, like a yeah. Klingon robot. Yeah. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to see, like when I think of somebody who's limping for whatever reasons, mm-hmm. you know, they have a can or whatever. It's just like, whatever, they were limping. Like, it's not even a, it, I don't even think twice about it. Yeah, yeah. But to think of it from the perspective of the person who's limping, to mm-hmm. be like, oh, you see me as I'm lurching around, like some mm-hmm. kind of bumbling, you know, person or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I do see how that could could um, affect your self-confidence, especially if you're a warrior and all this stuff. And he said to, to Riker, he was like, when a warrior cannot stand to face battle, then his life is over as a warrior. He's no yeah. longer a warrior. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, you can't, if you can't just, like, walk normally, then yeah. your life is over because you can't yeah. have this persona. And yet, to your point, my um, my stepfather had a really bad stroke a few years ago and had to relearn all the stuff. And he's still relearning all the stuff. And that's walking, talking, all the stuff. Um, yeah. And, you know, he gets frustrated sometimes. And and my, my mom, who graciously takes care of him, um, you know, sometimes she'll tell me like, yeah, you know, he doesn't want to do his physical therapy or whatever. He's like really bummed and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, if you don't do that, guess what? You don't get better. <laughs> like you you, you mm-hmm. have to do the work and it's mm-hmm. not fun and it's going to take a long time. But as she was telling me where he was, I just kind of put myself in his shoes. And thankfully, I've never been in that situation either. And I hopefully never will be where I lose the mobility of my limbs or I lose my ability to, to speak and have to relearn it. But just thinking, putting myself in his shoes, I would be extremely frustrated extremely frustrated if i could like walking aside if i could not speak if i could not clearly communicate that would be to me like wharf no longer being a warrior yes yes that that would Mm -hmm. be the equivalent where i'd be like what's the point like if i can't communicate clearly which is like one of my most important things in life me too me too yeah yeah if i didn't have that i don't even know like i i would not be able to deal with that as easily as i would be not being able to walk because i'd be like oh there's wheelchairs there's ramps there's but like you can't talk or people can't understand you or you're slurring every word mm-hmm, and no one knows mm-hmm. what you're saying. And like, you can't yep. write because you've lost the ability to move your hands. So you can't type or write or yes. talk like, yes. Oh my gosh. That sounds it like re- hell to me. It reminds me of um, a story I was actually reading. I love Greek mythology. And I was uh, reading the story of Cassandra, who was one of the princesses of Troy. And she was visited by the God Apollo and he wanted to, take her to his bed as most gods did, you know, in these kinds of stories. And she refused him a bunch of times. And so he was like, what do you mean? I'm Apollo. Like, you're a mortal. Like, you don't refuse me. So she finally says, okay, fine. You can take me to your bed, but I want to be able to see the future. And he's like, okay. And he takes her to, uh, her to his bed and has his way with her. And in the end, she's like, well, what about my like ability to see the future? He's like, oh, that's right. And he, Basically, like, gives her this gift to see the future. 
And it is the worst thing that ever happens to her mm. because he does it in a way where she can see the future, but she can only see the horrible things that are coming in the future. None and that's all things. she can see. She, that's all she can see. So she can only see the horrors in somebody's future. Like she'll look at me and see the horrors in my future or you or that, you know, mm. and, and he took away her ability to communicate. So she can't even warn these people that these things are going to happen. So she just ends up like, um, essentially like nobody believes her or can understand what she's saying. And so she ends up just giving up communicating altogether and like just becoming like an empty shell of a person who dies like very alone because Apollo you know, was a super dick in that. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why oh, they all were? All Jeez. of those gods were. Yeah. See, there's actually a so really great book. Unnecessarily been... cruel. My goodness. Oh, my God. oh yeah. No, no, no. That's totally what it is. Like there's actually this great book I've been reading called A Thousand Ships. Um, and it's actually stories of like the Trojan War, but of all the women, because all the men's tales have been told, you know, Ajax and Astyanax and, you know, all all of the heroes of the Greek and Trojan conflict. But like the women are usually written as either like you're like a lustful creature or some pitiful weeping willow who falls to pieces. And usually it was the women like that held shit down, you know? So like mm -hmm. th this woman actually was like, I'm going to write all the women's stories. And this is one of them. And I was like, dear God, like that. I was thinking about that because communication for me is like you, it's like mm -hmm. one of our superpowers and it's mm -hmm. how we live our lives. And if we're not being understood, Oh my god! It's I'd be extremely like, extremely oh, frustrating. Okay, Riker, pull the plug, buddy. Like, and you wouldn't even good. be able to communicate that, right? Because we couldn't communicate. Like, oh, oh my god, just... that's like you're like trapped in a hell yes. of like. Oh yes. my god, yeah, you're yes. trapped. So in hell. that would be so, that would be my equivalent of what Worf's going through. But for mm -hmm. Worf, it's just, and this is why Riker's so upset, and this is why Beverly is also like, no, you're not going to kill yourself, is because they're like, so what if you can't walk? You can still live a long, healthy life, which is yeah. true, but which emotionally. Is true. He would not live a long and healthy life. He would be well, dead. Also, inside. think about think about who Worf is in his job. He has a very, very physically demanding job. Yes. Okay. The even the if chief we of security, even who can't if you take walk away, the, yeah. yeah, even if you take away the snarky comments I always make about the Worf effect and him getting his ass beaten left and right, <laughs> right? Like, even if he did his job effectively, he still has to throw some muscle around. Okay, that's true. And he like, has to, he, he has to like backhand people from time to time. And he does. He's got to he butt wouldn't be able to do with that. the butt of his palm and on their nose and break their noses. Yeah, like Klingon left punch them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, he has to do the Klingon punch. If he maybe worked at like a science station and was seated most of the time, he could get a wheelchair and he could still use his brain. But he uses his body for his job. So Doctor Russell sees the opportunity and she's like, "Okay, well there is this other option. I can three D print you a spine." And you could get all your functionality back. And, and you Dr. will get 100% of your functionality Dr. back. Dr. Crusher Guaranteed. is so pissed. She's like, can I see you in the hallway for a minute? You know, and is so freaking pissed. And I got to say, I don't think what Dr. Russell did was right. However, knowing that Worf is like, I'm going to kill myself. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. What is the difference? So There's like, no difference. I agree with you. And I, and I feel like that's a part. And maybe this part was said off screen. So that's why we didn't see it. But that was the part that stuck with me is I wanted to hear her say after she was like, if it's successful, it will restore 100% of your functionality. I also wanted her to say, she did say it's highly experimental, but I also wanted her to say, just so you know, it has never been tried before in a single human. And in mm -hmm. all the simulations I've run, it only has mm -hmm. a 37% success rate. So it is extremely dangerous and extremely likely that it will kill you. Mm -hmm. However, on the slim possibility that it's successful, mm -hmm. you will regain 100% of your functionality. So 
this is an alternative to the ceremony you're considering. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I wanted all of that. And all I heard was like, it's going to be 100% successful. Do, 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 do. She like, sounded uh, like I've got a miracle cure mm-hmm. for you. Right. And here comes Dr. Crusher being like, we have this other thing that we could do and it's going to be really hard work and you're only going to get 60 to 70% back of your capacity. Like, it's like you're trying to get me to drink sewage water and here this person comes with like, I've got, I've got like Mountain Dew or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wow, cool, right? Mm-hmm. Dr. But Crusher there's a so 63% wrong. chance it'll kill you. And yes. you're like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that's the chance what, the that's what Dr. Russell needed to say. I think... You know, when when Beverly pulls her into the hallway to be like, what the F, Dr. Russell? Mm-hmm. Dr. Russell says he'd rather die than live with the implants. I'm giving him a better option than suicide. And I thought she's not wrong. She's not wrong. But I also think Dr. Crusher is not wrong. Like she mm-hmm. argues that Dr. Russell is using the desperation of a patient to give him this like miracle cure to cling to when like there's absolutely no guarantee it's going to work. There's actually mm-hmm. a greater guarantee that it won't work. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you. What would you do as a doctor? And if we could see the rationale between both of these doctors, who do you think is like more right? I mean, I'll say what I what I just said. That's a great question. And I'll say what I said just a moment ago. I just want her. I think Dr. Russell should have offered that solution to Worf and been fully transparent with every single thing about it so he could make an yeah. informed decision. I do not think it was ethical of her to pose it as hey, I've got this great idea and it'll be 100% effective, period. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. a that was a bald-faced lie. <laughs> like, that was yeah. just a lie. I, I think it was acceptable for her to pose her option, but laying out everything on the table and saying, hey, you know, you were going to kill yourself anyway. You know, she wouldn't say it like that, right? Because she's a doctor. But, you know, like this is, yeah. this is an alternative that may still have the same exact effect. You may still die from this procedure. There's a great chance of it, but mm-hmm. there's a slim chance of success. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would have been completely okay with that. But the way she did it felt really sneaky and really mm-hmm. smarmy. It felt like she lied to him on mm-hmm. purpose. It felt like she could care less about his life or the quality of his life and that she just wants to further her own research for her own notoriety. And that to me feels really slimy. Yeah. So like to answer your question, I think she should have offered it, but with more transparency. Yeah. And I think it's her motives that are the problem, not not the procedure. It's mm-hmm. her motives and the way she goes about I agree. serving her own needs, I think is really, really gross. I agree. I agree. I, I totally agree. Now, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit. This B plot kind of comes back and it actually ends up tying in quite nicely with the mm-hmm. A plot. And it is a nice B plot. It's just a bite sized sort of like, here's other shit that's going on with the Enterprise, but also ties into this main story. We're in the cargo bay. The colonists have arrived that were hit by the mine. They're triaging. And, you know, people are all kinds of burnt up and cut up and hurting. And it looks like a this battlefield hospital. like the hospital. most colorful scene I've ever seen. Did you notice oh that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. People are wearing all sorts of different colors. Mm-hmm. And there's like burns and contusions of all mm-hmm. different colors as well. Yeah. yeah, they really amped up this those scene, hyper colors. This scene of like the injured people, I think the whole scene was probably like three minutes long altogether. Mm-hmm. And this, the panning around of the, the pain was probably mm-hmm. 30 seconds, but man did it pack a punch like like you said there's burns and contusions and the woman that dr crusher was over had this broken leg and you could see like her leg was at this weird angle and like smashed in the middle and like her hands are sticking out and there's like burns on people's faces i was like wow like just for this 30 second pan the attention to detail was spectacular they really went for it they really went for it yeah the coordinators of this entire scene did a beautiful job 
Now, Dr. Russell starts tricordering um, a, a dead body. And it comes to light that instead of using conventional treatments that would have saved his life, she used another theoretical procedure that she's been working on. And he didn't survive. And Beverly was like, I'm sorry, you did what? Like, the first way would have saved his life. And Dr. Russell was like, well, this would have been a faster way to save his life. Um, but turns out it killed him. <laughs> yeah, she's and she like, goes, well, the, he was so sick that the conventional methods probably weren't going to work at all. So it was worth trying my theoretical, you know, methods so that at least it could do something. And yes. Beverly's just like, but you didn't even try. You didn't even yes. try, even if that's true, that the traditional medicines would not have worked because he was so far gone. The problem is you didn't even try the things we all know that are tried mm-hmm. and true that mm-hmm. could work. You didn't mm-hmm. even bother. You skipped yeah. straight to some, you know, not even in clinical trials phase, special co- concoction potion you had in your back pocket. And he yes. died. Yes. And and Dr. Ru- this is what actually really kills me about Dr. Russell. And the smarminess is the word that you just used. And it's so perfect. Dr. Russell says, well, don't worry. His life wasn't lost in vain. I was able to gather tons of data on what happened. It's like, right. Cause that's what Beverly was worried about. She was worried that, about if you got enough data, did you get enough data points? It was just so cold, callous and just so disgusting. cold and callous. And, and Dr. Russell was like, well, the data that I gathered though, will continue to build like my hypothesis so that at some point this could save thousands. It's like, and I love that Beverly is saying the thing that we were thinking. It's like, I doubt that's going to be much solace to like his family members Mm -hmm. that this person could be living right now and isn't because you wanted to test a freaking hypothesis. Like, and that's when she's like, wait a minute, this is exactly what you're trying to do with Worf. Like, it's all about furthering your research. And she straight up relieves Dr. Russell of duty. I was like, yes, thank you. That's exactly what needed to happen right there. She's just like, goodbye. Because I mean, how many other how many other corpses are laying in the cargo bay right now because mm-hmm. of her? She and you know what? It's so funny because earlier, after they had their argument in the hallway, mm-hmm. Picard combat to Beverly and was like, "Okay, the colonists are here. They, are we ready?" And Beverly's like, "Yes, we're all ready. All the teams are set up. Triage is ready." Mm-hmm. And Doctor Russell goes, "Hey, could you could you use a hand?" And Beverly's like, "Yeah, I could." And I sure. just thought. Wow, that's so professional. Like, even though they're like Thank you. kind of beefing, you know, personally, they're still professional and they're still gonna the patient comes first. And then after she pulls this nonsense, I was like, oh my gosh, you are yeah. literally doing more harm than good. And you're yes. a freaking doctor, are, and we need all the doctors we can get in this scenario. You're going against the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. You you're doing harm left and right for research in the, purposes. In the name of furthering your name. Yes. As a researcher. And did you and you could tell just like you said, she's so cold and callous. There was not a hint of remorse or regret. She has no emotions. Like, about- don't worry, we got data. It's like mm. what? I'm sorry. What did you yeah. just say? Beverly's like, um, Yeah, no more medical procedures on board my ship. Goodbye. No, and I was no, like, snaps. No. Yes. Go spend get some her time on the holodeck. Here. Yeah. Get out. No, Goodbye. just go go get on a shuttle and go somewhere else. Cause yeah. you don't need to be anywhere near anyone who's hurt ever yeah. again. No, not at all. So Picard actually comes to visit Beverly and he's like I'm on my way to um, come visit Worf. And I was like, why has it taken the captain like five days to visit his chief of security? I'm sure he's visited before, but this is like, I think so. I think this is him visiting, telling Beverly what he's going to do because he wants to talk to Beverly. 
Oh. You know what I mean? See, because we haven't seen him visit Worf, I assumed this was the first time he was visiting. And I was like, come on, Picard. <laughs> he's like one of the people you work with all the time. And he's about to lose I... his whole life one way or another. And you, you've taken, what, five days to walk down to the sick base. <laughs> anyway. Okay. But you know what? I'll go with that because that sounds better. And Picard tells Beverly, like, I know that this is not what you want to hear. But maybe we should do the 3D printed spine. because. Worf is not going to go with the implants option. He's not going to do it. And he's going to kill himself as soon as he you let him out of your sight. And she's like, well, then I won't let him out of my sight. It's like, okay, how's that mm-hmm. going to work? I'm a month, a year, a decade? And she's like, however long I have to. It's like, that's not going to work, though. You're, that's false. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Plus, yeah. how miserable would you be to see him deteriorate day after day after day? Kind of reminds me of that movie, Million Dollar Baby. If you saw oh, that movie. Yeah. And if you oh haven't my God, seen yeah. that movie, if you haven't seen that movie and you're listening, um, I won't spoil it, but the end is very intense and there was definitely a lot of mm-hmm. tears on my part and Agreed. it me too. kind of reminds me, and this scene reminded me of that movie a lot in the sense that you just see someone feeling really hopeless. Like you would see someone feeling really hopeless. Yes. And yes. even if Beverly had her way and could keep him contained forever, mm-hmm. the, he, who he is as a person would change and would wither away yes. and would die. And that would be an awful thing to witness. Yeah. That's not, that's not, I, I love how well Picard knows his crew, especially his senior staff. You know, it's like, he's not going to go for this. Yeah. Now <laughs> here's a scene that I was like, this is just weird. Riker comes in with a Klingon robe in hand and the dagger in hand to do the ritual suicide ceremony. Such a cool and dagger. And he's like, it is a cool dagger. And I was like, that looks like a pain in the ass to clean because it's got barbs that go both directions. And I was like, ouch. That you just is- wipe it off on your sleeve. <laughs> Apparently. You don't really <laughs> clean, wrong. clean it. Not wrong. <laughs> you just sort of wipe it on your pant leg and keep it You moving. wipe it. You clean it by stabbing it into other enemies. And it just kind of, <laughs> that's all the cleaning so it I gets. will say, I will say, as a, as a like weapon of war... It will inflict maximum damage because the barbs on it go both ways. So if you go in and out, it's going to fuck shit up. And you twist it. Oof. 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 Okay. So Riker comes in hot and he's got the robes in hand. He's got the dagger in hand. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. And I was like, did you think he was when he first came? Of course not. Of course I didn't. But I was like, why would you bring in the robe and dagger to me? It's like showing up to a Halloween party in a costume with a gift in hand and being like, I'm not going to come to your party and like leave it's like then why did you okay this was a little bit dramatic Riker he's like find somebody else to do your dirty work I was like all right okay Riker I feel like you're mad that Worf made the request and you're even more mad that Picard did not corroborate your anger so now you're just like on a fucking tantrum yeah I feel like where'd you get the rope from dude Troy's approach was much better than Riker's approach (laughs) I have to say but I agree Riker plays the same card of like playing on Alexander's sympathy which I think is important because again, Worf, you have a freaking kid. Like, mm-hmm. I know you don't like to think about him, but he's yours and he's yeah. your responsibility. So like, you have to yeah. consider him in your choices, especially as it affects you being alive to take care of him. Cause he's like six. It's yeah. not like he's 23 or something and you've like done your job and he's off on Klingon yeah. doing whatever. Like he very much needs you. Worf, Copernicus called and you are not the center of the universe. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. You have a child who is on board the ship. And when he came to see him once, Worf was trying out those little strap implants. Those braces, yeah. The, Mm -hmm. like, braces. And he fell down and he screamed at Alexander to leave him. And, like, the poor kid, like, ran off traumatized. It's like, 
you are the injured party, but your actions are injuring others. And that's not cool. Yeah. And especially your little one, like your kid who needs you. This isn't like, it's one thing if it's like your colleagues or whatever, they're other adults, they can maybe understand. Alexander cannot understand what's going on. He's not supposed to. He, and, and he's, I completely agree with what you said at the beginning. He's lost enough. He's lost enough. He's, he is, yes. He's not only a little child that makes him not have the tools to like, deal with stuff like this, but he's also an incredibly damaged child. So it's like you have to take even greater pains to like ensure stability for him, right? To try to like undo some of that trauma. But Riker huffs off all dramatic. But one of the things he says is, I can't even do the ceremony because it's supposed to go to a son. And Worf is like, that's not possible. He's like, not possible is not right. Like he can do it. You just don't want to put him through it. So you made me do it. So I'm not doing it. And he like storms off. And I was like, when he, yikes, and he Riker. leaves the knife as he storms off. And I was like, um, yeah, I was like, R- um, Riker, did you, you, did you might forget something yeah, back here? Don't Hello? leave the loaded weapon in the room with 100%, the suicidal person. Because that's how the suicide was supposed to go. He was supposed to stab himself. and then pull it out of his own chest or something and then Riker was supposed to like wipe it off on his sleeve or something in any case like Worf was the one who was going to use the knife so I felt like I, I agree yeah, with don't you. I leave it right really... on his chest where he could just be like Neh, and just exactly. do it like come on exactly come on. I agree with you I don't know why Riker came in hot like that and actually brought the knife that seemed counterintuitive to his purpose of I'm not going to be yeah, a part that of was, this. That was, like, you're very that much was showing up. Now. That was showing up to the Halloween party 100%. in costume and saying, I'm not going to be part of this. Well, apparently Riker's histrionics works, though, mm-hmm. because Worf does call Alexander to speak to him and tells him that he's chosen to break with tradition and he's not going to take his life. He's going to try the 3D printed spine surgery, which Alexander was like, oh, my God. Right. Yeah. And at this point, it's clear that he also knows the risks. So at some point it was, yes. just, it was explained to him. My guess is from Beverly. Yep. Because <laughs> fucking Dr. Russell sure as shit wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> this is going to 100% work. Or it's if it not going to even hurt. Great data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not even exactly. Hurt. Yeah. Exactly. So he, at this point, he at least knows the risks. And he tells Alexander, he's transparent with Alexander. He's like, I'm going to do nice. this super dangerous surgery that could make everything all better, but it could also still kill me. So I just want you to know, what is happening? And I really mm-hmm. appreciated that. I was like, okay, yeah. good. We're on it. We're yeah. in a good place now. Cause I, and I, I just think it's definitely worth take a risk worth taking if the alternative is him killing himself. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. This is, if this the makes alternative all the is the world. ending his life, then do the risky surgery, obviously. So before surgery, Worf asks Deanna to look after Alexander if something were to go wrong. His parents are elderly and can't care for him. And I was like, wow, this, I think, is truly the beginning of that little season seven alternate timeline we see when Worf and Deanna are a couple, which I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what the heck? And I still think they're not a great romantic pair, but I do see like, this is kind of the beginning of that where it's like, wow, like he's really putting his cards on the table to show how much he trusts her and respects her. And, you know, maybe that doesn't speak too much to Worf because he's trying to foist his kid off on anybody. But like, He's all like, Nurse Agawa, what do you think about having a kid? (laughs) What are you doing later? Yeah. (laughs) You met my kid, right? He's he's real great. He's real cool. He's cool. He's a little bit of a biter, but he's fine. He's going to be with you for a while, like kind of forever. Is that cool? Thanks, Nurse Agawa. But Worf, Worf initially, when Alexander came aboard, was going to send Alexander to like Klingon school, right? So, like, that could have been an option. But to ask Troy was like, wow. And Troy responded in a way I couldn't have, where she was like very touched and she was like, "Uh, yeah, I'll do whatever I can. I would have been like, Worf, you clearly are on a lot of pain meds and haven't thought this one through. And I'm going to go ahead and say no. Anyway, 
But she's think, really sweet about it. I think he thought it through. And I think Troy would be the perfect person for Alexander. She would be wonderful. She'd if be he had to pick someone him. from the Enterprise. Yeah. And that was a really sweet and touching moment. Like, I really, I really like that That was a good one. Like, and it was kind of an afterthought because Worf is like, okay, because clearly he hasn't thought about what's going to happen to Alexander at any point before this. Ever? But, but yeah. now he is. And and I think this was a good call on his part. This wasn't sending him off to Klingon school. This wasn't going to send, this wasn't sending him off to Uncle Kern. This wasn't sending him back to Earth yeah. with the Rashenkos. This yeah. was like the enterprise is now his home. Mm-hmm. I want him to stay here, which was mm-hmm. is a very very sweet. big and serious and grown up decision. So yeah. I did like that yeah. scene. And okay, in the next scene when we get into the surgery suite, I was are so you gonna ta- are you gonna talk about the red OR scrubs yes. again? Yeah, I mean that's all I was gonna say. I was so excited to see them again. I was like, oh, I forgot we get the to see the red OR scrubs are back. I'm so excited. So I'm also so excited to see Nurse Alyssa Ogawa is back, and I was like, woo! My one thing was. You guys have, a, like, first of all, the surgery scene is pretty gross, right? You've got an yes, open spine. I 100% and did not want to see on. any of that. Nope, I didn't want to see any of it. But I was like, you guys don't have masks on? We, no know masks? That we know that their sterilization procedures on the Enterprise are on point, apparently. N- needed some work, okay? We, we've always known this because <laughs> they never cover their faces so we can see the actors and know who's who. Mm. So, like, yeah, their sterilization procedures are just not great. Um, mm-hmm. At least they're wearing gloves and the gloves match their outfits. Cute. So there's that. Yeah. Like, yep. usually they don't wear gloves, right? You remember when Beverly stuck that probe right into like John Doe's brain, exposed brain, and he just, she just like stuck it right the on squishing there. Squishing sound. Yep, yeah. When it was like one centimeter away from the skull, she could have put it on like the skin part. So like, we already know they're, they're not too up on sanitary conditions, but they were wearing gloves. So I'll give them that. Um, as I started the surgery, like, I was really excited about the costumes because I think they're so cool. And we only get to see them a few times. But then as they kept going, I was like, um, they're not going to show the surgery, are they? Because I don't want to see any of that. And they do kind of have a moment where it's like a curtain flowing in the breeze moment where they kind of pan away and go to a different scene. And I was like, oh, good, good, because I don't want to see this. But then they come back and the spine's all open. And I was like, oh, man. I know. Oh, my God. Those two little, like, calipery things that Dr. Russell uses to, like, pick up the the like actual spinal co- not the, the column but the, yeah um yeah it's it's not the it's not the vertebra but it's the spinal column that goes inside yeah and it's like kind where of the like spinal a, fluid is like a mm-hmm. like a four foot long worm i was like okay i don't want to <laughs> see that um so the surgery it's like the scene, trill again right where you're just like yes please don't show me inserting squishy things into bodies fun fun slash disgusting fact oh, gosh. this was <laughs> <laughs> this was the edited down version oh my god original, they had originally <laughs> proposed the writers had originally proposed to have like these little tiny living organisms that they were gonna like put Mm-mm. on the open spine and those little things were gonna like eat away all the damaged material and then like le- it's like putting cockroaches all over him and having the- yeah i was like dear god so it's what it was and i'm actually grateful it wasn't worse um, and I do like that when they have the cutaway scenes, we see Riker and Picard just having like a standard mm-hmm. first officer captain meeting to just kind of go over, ob- you know, action items for the day or for the week. And Troy Alexander are playing a game. And there's just such a tension mm-hmm. where they're like, have we heard anything? Have we heard anything? Seems like it takes hours. Mm-hmm. And they finally close him up and take him off. I think it support. was like 27 hours or something. Isn't that what Nurse Agawa said at the beginning? Like, we have this long before the brain completely dies because we have to sever the spinal column Some from the brain. huge amount of time. Yeah. But then when and we come back from the, the you know, cutaway like moment, it's like one hour left. And then mm-hmm. we cu- have another cutaway and it's like 30 minutes left. Mm-hmm. So thankfully they cut out all of 
that time of seeing Ugh. gross stuff. So yes. Well, they close him up and they're like, okay, let's take him off of life support and see how he does. And things start going wrong really quickly. And he mm-hmm. goes into cardiac arrest and he flatlines, totally flatlines. And Dr. Crusher is like cortical stimulators, you know, and, uh, you know, 25 cc's of this drug. And Dr. Russell's like, that will kill him. And she's like, well, we've done a pretty good job of that already. He's already flatlining and that doesn't work. So she says cortical stimulators. And you see him get zapped. And it's just like in all the movies where like the patient like kind of bounces a little bit and then nothing. And she goes again, 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 again. And we've seen Dr. Crusher do this before. I don't remember Mm -hmm. exactly where, but it seems very familiar. Maybe Tasha or something. Probably. I think it was Tasha or that was my initial thought also. But I was like, wait, wasn't she pronounced dead? on the yes, planet but i think she was I, and when they brought her back they were like there's still a chance and they were there, like we can bring her back yeah really a chance beverly and she yes. was like again again and it was like yes mm-mm. okay even knowing how this ends i started crying mm. because beverly has to go inform alexander that his father has died and i was like oh my god and you know, Alexander's fallen asleep in Counselor Troy's lap, and they're clearly sitting like right outside of sick bay in or the like waiting right room in, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, in the waiting mm-hmm. room of sick bay or something. And when Doctor Crusher walks in and there's tears down her face, Troy takes one look at her and she goes, "No." And I was like, <gasps> "Like it was so emotional. Like I'm literally tearing up now thinking about that, and maybe because I've lost my father." Where it's like, I know what that's like, but it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I have too. And I was, I was just a little bit older than Alexander at the time. And, um, it, it was really emotional for me as well. And I think just like seeing Beverly, like, you know, she's in tears and she's like, okay, listen, Alexander, it just felt again, it made me so angry at Dr. Russell, just Mm -hmm. because like you are seeing people as like lab rats like vehicles for stardom he's a real person with family he's got a son waiting outside who wants to see him again and beverly is the one who has to deliver this news and she's also the one who has to deal with the fallout forevermore of losing one of her friends fellow officers and dealing with her son's potential backlash of blaming her for you know his his father not being alive for the rest of his life like there's a lot of there's a lot of fallout from this decision and it just upsets me that Dr. Russell is disconnected from her effect on people. Yes. It just really, I just, I want her to be, I want her to feel something and she just does it. And so it's, my, it's. Mm. Yeah. It speaks to extreme narcissism. It's also look at the good that I'm doing for mankind, but the mm. damage that you're doing for, to man, Yeah, you know, it is, uh, I remember reading years ago before my dad passed of cancer um how there was some cancer treatment that was this like aggressive new fancy you know headline making kind of cancer treatment that they were trying out and they tried it out on a patient and the doctor came to a press conference to basically say that the treatment was a success and the patient died it's like the patient died but the good news is the treatment seemed like it was really working, but the patient was just too far along or something for it to undo all the debt or whatever. And that's exactly what it looks like. It's like, it doesn't matter to you that the person has died because you're out here thinking you're going to save the masses and the accolades you're going to get from this. And that person whose life you just discounted just that easily 
has a family who still profoundly feels the loss of that person. Yeah. And it just made me so sad. And when Beverly came in and she just said, Alexander, I am so sorry. It was like, oh my God. And Alexander's like, I want to see him. And Troy's like, I don't know. And she's like, no, I, I, I want to see my father. And he comes to see his dad who is dead on the table and starts crying. And I started crying. And while this is all happening, I was like, oh my God, there's like three minutes left in this yeah. whole episode. Like, when when he died, obviously when, he, we kn- when he flatlined, I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't remember that part of the episode. Mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. but then me like, neither. Does he, does he, he must come back because he doesn't die. And then, but then he like flatlined and they turned off all the equipment and went and told Alexander. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Wait, it was kind of like how I felt at the end of um, Endgame, <laughs> Avengers Endgame, yeah. which ends with just like the, the good guys losing yeah. monumentally. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but it's still fun to watch. And at the end of it, it was just like, wait, but wait, what happened? And then the movie goes off and you're like, huh, wait, huh, huh? And that's what was going mm-hmm. on with this moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, I don't remember this. How mm-hmm. is it? What's going on? And, and then, you know, when, when Beverly calls the time of death and Dr. Russell's just like, I don't understand. Everything was going so well. Everything was so flawless. Everything looked like it was going really well. And Beverly just kind of wa- rolls her eyes and walks away. I thought to myself, the only words that should be coming out of your mouth right now is I am so sorry. That's mm-hmm. all you should be saying. And mm-hmm. that's the one thing you're not saying. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that Beverly has to turn around and go and say. Mm-hmm. That was that was exactly what I thought as well. Because Dr. Russell started doing the justification thing. Yes. But and it was I all thought, going so well. I thought this speaks to the narcissism. You don't take responsibility for yourself. You start ticking off all the reasons why this shouldn't have happened. And it's right. like, but it did. Right. And that conversation mm. would have been an appropriate conversation to have in a debrief one week from now. Yes. To go. Not right now. I just body. don't know. Mm-hmm. Like everything was going so well. I don't understand how this happened, but his body is not even cold yet, lady. Right. So no as Alexander, as Alexander, of course not. As Alexander is crying, apparently Worf's redundancies, he even had like a secondary like synaptic nerve response system or something. And that kicks in and he starts like breathing and they're like, oh my God, oh my God, turn everything back on. Let's get him back connected or yeah, whatever. Beverly's like 25 cc's of whatever. Yeah. Push the button, and, turn it on. And, it up. I, and everyone's like, wait, what? What's I going on? full on like tears down mm. my face. And like Worf is cool and all like, he's not my favorite character. Like he's fine. But like this was well done. It really like told that story. And it kind of flashes forward in time where Dr. Russell's basically coming to like say goodbye. And she's like, you know, after all this time, you still can admit that like I saved his life. Like, look what I did for him. And Beverly isn't even looking up from her paperwork. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm, beep, 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 beep. He's a little beeping background sound. She's got her, she's got her data pads. She's doing mm-hmm. some homework. She's totally given Dr. Russell the silent treatment. Yes. Like, don't even talk to me ever again for any reason. Yes. Yes. I don't need to say goodbye. Just leave. I don't, just goodbye. <laughs> just leave. But Beverly is not having it because that narcissism just gets to be too much. And Beverly pulls a Troy. She says something very gently and very lightly, but it is super impactful. She just reams her. For reckless for her recklessness, all the name of research and accolades, and very nicely tells her to fuck off. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Yep, yep." And Doctor Russell, of course, says nothing and just is like, she just kind of shrugs and walks away. Okay, and just walks off because yeah. even now she hasn't done anything wrong. When she killed Worf, she didn't do anything wrong. 
And now that Worf that miraculously, yeah, yeah, now that Worf miraculously is alive because of Worf's redundant systems. Yeah, not because of hers. She's look like, what you're I not going to give me credit. Yeah, look at what I did. And it's just like, get off my ship. And mm-hmm. if I ever see you come on the ship again, mm-hmm. like, you will mm-hmm. be airlocked in a heartbeat. You're going to need some fucking redundant systems, okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, oh my gosh. So yeah, that scene was, was yeah, really powerful. And again, Beverly gives this really good speech. Okay, if you are listening to this episode and you have not seen this episode, like, go back and watch it. It's, it's, it's worth, so good. It is worth watching. And if for no other reason than these really poignant speeches that happen throughout it are so mm-hmm. good. So Beverly just delivers this amazing speech. And as a scientist myself, you know, as a trained scientist myself, and Andrea is also a trained scientist, I can relate to all the stuff that she was saying about research takes time, sometimes a lifetime mm-hmm. before it's to be done properly. And there is no shortcutting and speeding through and using your patients as guinea pigs and gambling with their life just so you can get your research advanced a little bit faster. That's not how this yes. works. That's Because the point is to make people better. She says this line that kills me, and I'm paraphrasing because I did not write it down, but it was something along the lines of, you're cutting corners through living right tissue. through living tissue. And it was mm-hmm. like, wow, whoever wrote that line, kudos genius. to you. Absolutely genius. And Dr. Russell had literally nothing that she could say to counter that because Beverly was 1000% right. And even Beverly says... I'm sure you're going to get tons of accolades for them, for this, like for having done for what you've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Enjoy them. I'm not sure I could. And it was like, fuck She was so on Mm -hmm. it. And then the last thing we see is Worf is like relearning how to walk. Cause even with this procedure, he still has to relearn how to walk Mm -hmm. and he falls down and, you know, Alexander jumps in to like kind of help him out and Worf lets him help him, which is a very sweet little moment. And it's so cute. Cause what can this little six-year-old do? Nothing. But he comes with his little hands on Worf's hands and Worf's like, yeah, that really helped. We're going to do this. Yes, everybody. I thought the same like, thing too. Mark oh. was kind of learning how to walk on that sort of the two parallel bars to yeah. help himself up. He stumbled. Alexander ran over and just placed his little itty-bitty hands on top of Worf's hands. Mm-hmm. And then Worf stood up and kept walking. And I was like, I think he just needed some emotional help maybe because he mm-hmm. sure as shit wasn't given the physical help. But he's also like five, you know, or six or whatever. But it was very, very sweet. Um, What were your final thoughts on this episode, Cherise? My final thoughts were that this episode was not as bad as I remember. And again, Mm -hmm. I didn't remember much about it. I just remembered back injury, ritual suicide, period. Yes. That was it for me too. Me too. There was so much more going on here. And I cannot believe I forgot this plot of the unethical doctor, which is what the really what the episode was about. It was really Mm -hmm. about that and sort of about Worf. And oh, yeah, some other people got hurt and who cares? Um, So, yeah, overall, I think it was a really, really interesting topic. And what I loved about this episode is I, I really enjoyed the relationships between the crew. Like, I love the world building of yes. crew relationships. Just yes. how does Troy relate to Worf and Picard relate to Riker? And, like, mm-hmm. I really love that. What about you? What were your final thoughts? I thought this episode was so good. And this is one of these added bonuses of doing this podcast with you. We started the show because we love Star Trek. But there are episodes that we don't love and ones that we love more. But what's really lovely is because we have to watch them all. We get those great surprises where we're like, I didn't like that episode. And you watch it and you're like, wow, this is actually so good. It was way more emotional than I mm-hmm. thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I also really, really like it's I really like this little touch that is present on on Star Trek. 
it's nice to see that they don't always just have like a wave the magic 24th century wand around yes. and make everything perfect. Like your head has popped off in this accident. We'll have it reattached and it'll be up and running in four hours. It's like, which we no, do get at the end of this season. <laughs> really? Is there a decapitate? Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, the data one. Okay. It's data. That's different. But you know, it's not, you know, we always think that like medicine is so you know, futuristic. It's going to fix everything. It's going to fix and everything. And we'll have no diseases. Why do we even by have the doctors? Century, yes, by the 21st century, there won't be any need for doctors at all because everything will be all done. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no. So when she says you have sustained major damage to your spine, you won't walk again. And even when she says, you know what, after a few days of research, we have this idea that might work, but even still, it's going to be a very slow and painful process. You're not going to be anywhere back to where you were before. Thank you. Thank you for introducing that like more human, realistic, like no matter how advanced science and medicine is going to get, you won't be able to find a cure for everything. And Mm -hmm. I really, really like that. Like, I feel like the waving the magic wand is very lazy writing. And I love Mm. that they didn't do this here. I agree. Cause we did, we, we sometimes think about that with medical stuff that happens on the show where we're like, oh, they still have viruses. Oh, they still have this. They, oh, they still have that. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. of course, if humans evolve, microbes evolve a billion times faster. So mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Plus you're going to alien worlds and planets and new species. So there should be all kinds of germs and things that happen, but totally. you're right. I completely agree. It's, it's humanizing to see that all problems are not solved just because of future, <laughs> just because of technology, just because, just of, because of future. Yes. Like, we still have social injustices. We still have physical challenges that cannot be magicked away. We still mm-hmm. have, we still have the problems. They're still mm-hmm. there, which is, yeah, it is refreshing. And it's what makes the show relatable. I think so too. Well, Sharice, this has been super duper fun to talk to you about. Um, and to nerd out with you over. Guys, mm-hmm. next week we are talking Season 5, Episode 17, The Outcast. Thank you so much for nerding out with us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.